All right, inappropriate Earl. We really cranked him out. Uh, the episode this week with Jeffrey Mark is burning up the charts. And, you know, it's not often you can follow up someone who said they had unprotected sex with Freddie Mercury in a restaurant in New York City and live to tell about it. If anyone can top that story in many ways, it's this next guest. He's a man who I've known for a long time. You talk about a comedy soldier. We've both earned our stripes. We are comedy soldatos. One of the funniest dudes I know. Uh, just a good dude. And if everyone were like this man in Los Angeles comedy, it would be a lot nicer minefield to navigate. Unlike some of you slobs who got to backstab your friends, you got to fuck some guy's girl. And on that note, Mr. Jason Rouse, who's about to sip some water, so I'll keep the intro going. Canada's greatest import next to hockey, Russell Peters. He's open for Russell Peters many times. Mr. Jason Rouse. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Earl. It's an honor. I don't know. Now we're getting a nice crotch shot of you on Facebook Live. All right. Oh. Yeah, you better sit down. You better sit. sit. Oh, the camera's. Yeah, the camera's right there, baby oh, case. Oh, shit. Okay. I mean, this ain't the Rogan podcast with multiple cams, dude. This no. is, this is a, my iPad. An iPad. And uh, Lois is right there. She'll... Uh, Oh, don't don't get her started. She's finally Is sleeping. She a barker? Um, no, no, she'll bark if she feels threatened, and uh, but usually she doesn't feel threatened. Although yesterday, there's a new dog in the neighborhood. A uh, what a what is a, a Tibetan uh, mastiff. Very cool dog, but they uh, they came around a corner. They didn't see each other, and there's a little bit of a problem there. But um, is this a reoccurring problem? No, no, it's a new dog in the neighborhood. Okay. So I, I think they were a little taken aback by Lois. So and this dog let out a growl that you would think he was the singer for uh, King Diamond. Okay. Uh, not a dog I would want to see. It would be a very short fight. Okay, Lois doesn't really throw down like she used to. Lois is fast. Very, Lois is <laughs> very fast in the MMA world. I would say she's like a TJ Dillashaw. Very, okay. very hard to track down. Spryer. But is it Spryer? Uh, yeah, um, but uh, this dog was like for you MMA fans, uh, Bob Sapp. And by the way, we have a we have a celebrity already. On Facebook Live, this man was the seventh bass player in L.A. Guns. Okay. Currently selling real estate in Paso Robles. The great Stefan Adika. Nice. Lucky number seven. Um, and, and he's watching the Kennedys right now on CNN. I can't watch that out of loyalty. But sure. Um, and, but I will see. Uh, I thought what would be cool is if I took a bunch of people to see Chappaquiddick. Okay. You know. I'll I'll pay. Yeah. If you want to see Chappaquiddick with me. What about Loverboy? Loverboy's probably still touring. They're probably playing the Canyon Club. They are. Uh, there's a show coming up. I knew it. They're actually on a Canadian tour right now. And uh, I'm going to miss them in Alberta by like one day or something. I'm a little disappointed. Because you got a tour coming up, right? I do. I do. I have like it's a thing that I'm doing now, finally. 
Um, I was in Europe in September, October, and now I'm gearing up for um, this year's tour, which will start April 7th, 8th, 6th, 7th, 8th in Vancouver, and then the following weekend, Calgary, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and St. John, New Brunswick, and then one show at the uh, Underground in Toronto, which is a infamous marijuana room rogan's brought it up on a handful of occasions there's no ventilation it's a pot room it's totally smoked out you would not like it it's like think of the back the back of the comedy store but with a with a tire fire of marijuana smoke well i uh think i would like it because i know you know i'm such a hockey guy that i know even though i don't smoke weed that's my fans yeah well they're they're, they're sports watchers you know, they're not really known for their athleticism. So, you know, you'd see a bunch of hockey jerseys in there. And they'd be actually quite shocked, I think, what you know, at what level, at the obscure hockey uh, encyclopedia that you are, for somebody from America to, to take, had taken that time and explained them their national, which isn't the national sport. National sport's lacrosse. Which is probably dirtier than hockey yes it's very aggressive at you least the pro uh the, the pro games that i've seen on direct tv i don't know uh i think there's a buffalo team that's uh on tv a lot mm-hmm. uh what was that uh i've got a metal plate in my testicle okay well whatever i mean you know i don't uh, i don't judge <laughs> i love it you've got like when there's something off color you adjust your glasses like i'm just as offended as you are folks yeah, but I don't put the camera on me because who wants to look at my face? And, Everybody uh, gets the nervous leg swing, swing when I'm in their home for some reason. Like, we, it's going to be cool, right? But that's me, though. And I, got, I picked this up when I saw... Uh, we're going to go to the racial humor early. Uh, you know, I grew, everyone knows... You know, Bino Cricket. <laughs> everyone knows I grew up in Bel Air in the 70s. It's a very white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the garbage men would come uh they were black and they came they would come every friday morning and i really had not seen many black people in my life so i would just stare at them i would i knew the sound of the truck it was like an ice cream truck i would run i would just stare at them and i would sway back and forth it was like a nerve uh so i it's like a nervous habit but i'm not nervous right now it's just it's just kind of you're measuring the situation you were eyeballing these guys trying to make some sort of assessment of where they fit in your life well i just the only two black people in bel-air in the 70s were oj and kareem which i don't really count them as black Mm. these guys were like dikembe mutombo black yeah so you were living with the white friendly blacks yeah like well oj was cool to me i I got no problem with him would you say you did if you did uh, no you get murdered look out uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you've lived in this city during some pretty, pretty crazy times. Oh yeah, I mean, I was in L.A. Uh, Century City uh, in the '92 riots. Uh, as far as apocalyptic situations that have happened in Hollywood during your time, what was the thing that got closest to your front door? Fire, riots. Uh, well, when you I were kind of on the balcony going, they're getting a little close to the uh, plantation. Well, they were never going to get near me. No, yeah. you had a slingshot and a bad attitude. No, no, my friend, it's a great story. I can't quote him directly because of 
you know it's illegal common sense but uh he used to he was a freelance writer and it just so happened at the time of the la riots he had just written a article for soldier of fortune mm -hmm. and he had gone on a i think a raid Isn't or it a lesbian cycling magazine it is now oh. um and he uh <laughs> <laughs> there's the glasses oh folks hello book these guests who books just it? as much as your victim as you um so i uh i do fucked up shit all the time by the way i do not uh condone or um uh you know, censor my guests so their thoughts and opinions are theirselves. So my real friends always tend to separate themselves from me. I don't. I love you, but this guy. <laughs> I got along with you immediately. We've had this conversation before because we met through Yoshi. Fuck. I mean, probably out of out of fear, not fear, but like, I think we were in. You know, when I'd come down to the store, I was starting to show my face there a little more about eight years ago. And, you know, I could see you making your appearances just as much as me. So you kind of look at the other kid in the class and you're like, okay, I talked to you. All right, he's in the good music, he's wrestler, cocky. All right, who is this guy really observed you? And I found out uh, you're the real deal. I mean, it's tough. I'm trying to be, you know. Yeah, but you consistently, and that's a very difficult thing, as I'm sure you've brought up on this podcast more than one. Very inconsistent people, especially in our business, where it's plagued with substance abuse and mental illness and just people who are selfish cunts that fuck other guys' girlfriends and finger your dog and shit. Well, I don't know about the dog thing. As far as I know, Lois Has is... Has the dog ever talked? Maybe you've had a break-in while you were on the road. Uh, well, dog I got starfished by an angry comic that was like got kicked out of a Groundlings program or something. I mean, I don't think I have too many enemies. Uh, I don't. I certainly don't have any. No, because you, your decent dude, has enough physical prowess that you could probably physically beat up ninety percent of these grease weasels. And that's probably the most frustrating part about it. Is you're in your head is like, if we were in the wild, I'd be wearing your skin. Oh, I would love to beat up one or two people, but it's like I can't. I don't. I'm not going to get sued. No, of course, and that's why you you've got to play diplomat and win with success. And this uh, is yeah. I mean, that's the best. Uh, you know, but I don't have too many enemies. So. No, and even the people I don't like, and there's very few I could count under. On one hand, and I wouldn't need all fingers. Uh, you know, they can't. They can't say a bad word about me. No, uh, isn't that kind of a cool spot? Because you've got some street cred that their attack of your character would only hurt them, and they're so narcissistic enough that rather than be a genuine person, they'd rather keep their mouth shut so they can have a career. Well, it's just like everyone should act like Russell. It's Jesus day to day. Yeah, he came back. He booked a room, and he came back and uh, did a tight 10 in the tomb. Did a tight 10. I heard his set was like this long. Hello. The <laughs> I saw some Easter cookies. It was gingerbread hands with jam centers in them. So they look like he had holes from the Well, I mean what I mean I'm a bad Jew and I'm a even worse Catholic, you know. I'm technically I'm Jewish. That makes you a great comic. Well, I mean I'm trying, you know. Shout out to Dr. Ken last night who uh He's a nice gentleman. Isn't dude, he? he's like if everyone was like Dr. Ken. Six, you don't get much more successful than him. 
but he's so nice. And I literally just went to watch him at the improv, not to palm him, not to, uh, you know, do anything. He's very approachable. Yeah. I've seen him very complimentary, regardless of who's around him. Right. You know, it's like Russell's like that too. There's a, there's a handful of guys in this business that are, have every opportunity to be pricks and they're movie stars and they're cool. It's, it's refreshing. It's, yeah, we sound silly talking about it, but because we run into so many fucking cunts. Sorry, I didn't so you see can the dog say there. it. No. I can say that. Oh, Lois is chilling right now. Just All speak right. clearly into the mic when you say it, so people don't miss cunt. Under- right, because it's baseball season. It's yeah. ba- they might say they might think you're thinking bunts. No, cunts with a hard K. What the fuck? Um, um, so when you run across people that are, you know at that level of success and they're cool to boot. And most of the times they're just as shocked that they're in the position themselves. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this either kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he basically forced me to go on at the improv last night. I'm like, dude, I'm just here to watch you. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. no, no, I'm going to call Rita right now. And you're going to go on right before me. I'm like, no, no, no. one makes the call. No one makes. And the he calls. actually did it, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I was yeah. begging him. I'm like, dude, I just on came here spot. to. Yeah. Yeah. And I had one of the, probably the best set I've ever had. And not, it was like seven, eight minutes wasn't a set, but like, you know, I've never really done that well at the improv just because it's you were uh, on my show and I didn't do, uh, yeah, I did. Okay. No, you did good. But I mean, I, um, yeah, I'm honest. Uh, you know, I, I, did, I would say that set I did, uh, for you on like your show years ago, hey, it's like a B B minus something in that solid. level uh solid but i want to kill every time i'm sure you i mean like even when you do like when you do <laughs> i can see you rolling through the words in your head well no but like like when you do well do you i mean do you want to kill every time i mean i know that sounds like if you do well but I you know you be, could do better I be authentic as i can and when i'm striving for that then it becomes a uh, kill. What do you mean by that, though? <laughs> like, um, sometimes it goes very badly. Because you're edgy. I don't think so. Oh, you're edgy, bro. I'm spicy. It's it's the worst. Let's no, I don't think it is. I think it's great because no, you have the balls great. to do it. It's but we're all, that's why we got into this thing is to get some balls, right? But I mean, like, I might have a. I guess I'm edgy. You're you're saucy. But I would say the type of material you do, and it's I'm perfect. asking you. This is just it's cannibal corpse. Right. It's I. I'm poison and rat. I'm cannibal corpse. Yeah. The, the morbid angel. Genres. Right. Yeah, it's terrible. It's really bad. I have to transcribe some of this stuff. Um, and uh, But I'm pretty... Um, I play, and I have played, a b- very broad uh, audiences in various situations from clubs to uh, theaters to uh, outdoor music events and things like that. So <clears throat> that my circle of 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 my travel paths are in a very thing outside of people tend to hover around the film and tv industry for opportunities and i always looked at it as a global thing and rather than pander and 
sell myself out to gain a sitcom role or which could be canceled and so on and so forth. So to strive to do those kind of things to get those opportunities. So my comedy is coming from a different place. It's very anti-sitcom and... Which might make it sitcom. That's how it works, right? Yeah, I mean... The underground becomes pop culture. Well, yeah, I mean... If I live long enough to have a very clean family... (laughs) But I I know we're both big fans of um, All in the Family and things like that. I'd love to be part of a, a kind of a married with children, all in the family type thing. Well, that's what got me so into roast battle in the beginning was... Uh, yeah it was i mean it's a great show now but like back in those i would say those first two the years fight club years yeah i mean uh, you know uh in the in the i guess in a music band's career they would say the garage days in the garage days of roast battle it was <laughs> insanity like, i stopped going when you left the audience well well, you know, I, I used to go all the time. I could, I was in one of the earlier ones, maybe like in the first year I'd done it, and um, then shortly after that, I started to get L.A. Weekly had done a story. You were in maybe a month, a bef- couple months before the L.A. Weekly right. story. Julia Seba. Julia Seba. By the way, we have a another celebrity in the house, and this man's musical introduction needs no introduction other than the one I'm about to give him drummed for alice cooper drummed for brian may and is currently the drummer in my favorite band of all time the amazing eric singer from kiss in the house cool i don't know if eric likes me outing him in chat but uh and cleveland cavalier super fan very cool um and of course how could i forget i first became aware of eric singer I'm a big Jakey e. Lee fan. He was the drummer in Badlands. So, uh, which hello. is heavy as you go? I would Outside say the uh, Bay Area thrash metal. What? What do you wear? Um, Motorhead. I you know because I dated their manager for uh, you know, six plus years. Uh, I I quit drinking at Lemmy's birthday. Why? I can't get into it. Okay. <laughs> It was, uh, it was, yeah. Well, my friend, uh, I, I think he met uh, Chris Holmes at the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend, uh, you know, he liked to drink a little bit. And he's a good-looking guy. And uh, Chris Holmes looks at him as we were eating and goes, Bro, you remind me of a younger version of me. And my friend never had a drink after that. It's weird how like one thing like he was a pretty hardcore drinker and uh, substance abuser, uh, or I should say maybe not abuser, enjoyer. Yeah, well, he probably recognized this guy was giving him some a, a, a turning point. Listen, I know, and you need to check yourself. Yeah, I mean, when Chris Holmes says you look like uh, a younger version of me, that probably would get most people to yeah. stop oh i've had the problems you know i've had a few situations where i've you know various friends over the years where i've leaned over and i go look i'm jason rouse and i'm telling you you gotta cool it so this is like a cunt hair from a rock bottom if i'm leaning across the table and telling you to roll it back you really 
this is a, a, a bad time. I'm not really one to uh, tell anybody what to do. Well, it's like when uh, they kicked Steven Adler out of Guns N' Roses because Slash was his childhood friend. Slash had to tell him. So when Slash is going up to you going, hey, bro, you got to cut back. Uh, you got to cut back. Yeah. Um, but you've, I mean, how long have you been doing actual stand-up? 20 and a half years. And how many friends, have you lost a lot of friends? In comedy? Yeah, in comedy. Just in general. Oh, well, I guess in comedy. Uh, yeah. You know, in most recent, uh, you know, comedy Canadian legend Mike McDonald had just died a, a few weeks ago. Right. Um, we weren't really close, but uh, he was definitely a, uh, a pioneer if not one of the early great comedians, you know, the Howie Mandel area, era, Norm MacDonald, uh, Harlan around that time, uh, a couple other, but Mike was like, you know, uh, oh, Mike, you know, it was like a big, it was a, the, the Chappelle-esque essence about him. He was a comics comic and so on and so forth. But yeah, dozens of, of comedians, you know, my friend Carrie Talmadge, who uh, he had some kidney transplants and things like that, and brilliant comics, and um, fuck a couple guys. Suicide. Did you know Ralphie May? Yeah, yeah, I met Ralphie at Dublin's in two thousand and one. The Dublin's for you uh, not uh, familiar with the LA scene was uh, you know the the early two thousands in LA was kind of a weird time for comedy you know no club was really doing that great and at dublin's was like the hottest comedy club in the country yeah on um, one night a week or tuesday or something because i uh, uh one of the people judy brown do you know judy brown black girl no uh white lady it's uh, a comedy manager right yes yes she uh, was my manager and um stan hope i think and at the time and she'd come up to Toronto to look for people for Aspen. And um, I did a showcase and she said, you're great and everything, but I, you know, I really don't, I was just kind of looking around to see what was up here. And, uh, but I'm interested in maybe having you come to LA and maybe manage you at this point. And I came to California in fall of 2001. She was, I'm taking you to the hottest spot in town. Like, we're going to go to this place, Dublin's. And I'm like, Irish pub? Right. Are you fucking kidding me? I've come all the way here to do a pub. And I, what I didn't know was I'd never been on the Sunset Strip in 2001 on a Friday or, or on, a, on a weekday. It was bumper to bumper. And I we had to push our way through the crowd. And it was this amazing, uh, low-ceilinged, Hollywood-vibed, uh club and you know guys like bobby lee and ralphie may were there and uh a half a dozen i remember seeing alonzo bowden even uh stan hope at that time and um ralphie every time i ran into him you know because they wrestled peters and him were relatively close friends and he was just a nice dude oh my god i uh he was one of, like we were talking with Dr. Ken. He had that that um uh just a fucking you know, a just a dude. It's like I'm in comedy, you're in comedy. Yeah, it's like cool. Let's, you know, I don't care what you've done or haven't done, but you clearly have put some time in on this. Yeah, I mean, he was just like 
I mean, how great would this business be if everyone were like Ralphie, Dr. Ken, Russell? Uh, I like the scum, though. I well, know it's annoying and um, uh, exhausting, but I love to fucking put a pitchfork through their hearts and throw them up over my shoulder. Well, I mean, there's that too. Uh, <laughs> they pet the dog. Look at the dog loves it. Lois has made her first appearance on Facebook Live tonight. Um, she's uh, Look just how steadfast. She is. Oh yeah, she's she knows where the camera is. She's looking right she's into the camera. Um, Look at this dog. And then, so you do Dublin's. How how did that go? It went great. And then I had to do uh, one of those daytime college shows at the Improv. Okay. And some girl cried, and then. The National Film Board of Canada was Canada. Uh, National Film Board of Canada was following me around for a year, and they did a documentary, and it was three parts. It was Toronto, Montreal, and Los Angeles. And I was I went to this. They brought me into this. What do they call them? The college shows or the university kids come in during like at a six o'clock show. The or teen tours. Teen tours. So I'm like, oh, cool, college kids. I do really good. Well, these were kids and i'm up there talking about fucking retarded chicks which i mistakenly think have accents and this girl became a right and teared up and yelled and they got it all on camera and i'm like oh man hollywood's gonna be tough and then you know 16 years later i'm uh bombing at the improv again <laughs> It's a cold business. No, no, it's good. There, you know, you you pick your spots and places that you you find that you are consistently good in. All of a sudden, it takes a hard left. Right. Well, do you find that you uh, you know because your material is you know it's straight edge. I mean, it's like in your face. And uh, do you find opportunities? Are fewer or more? I mean, because people, the I, opportunities are my opportunities. They're not opportunities that were, um, I that I had to accommodate. These were opportunities that I made for myself. So, as many cruise ship, you know, tours that I don't get. I also get introduced by Andrew Dice Clay on Showtime and things like that that trump all the frivolous stuff that would have probably brought me short-term financial rewards and things like that. So I get very different opportunities. Um, but on paper, in this industry, uh, the math would be like, why would you cut this big piece out of the equation? Because it's not my piece. What is your piece? The piece that I make myself. I have my own soup and I put my stuff in it and everyone has to stay the fuck out of my kitchen. Because you tour the world. I tour pretty good. Yeah, But yeah. you play like Norway and like... Norway, everywhere. Yeah. I mean like... Fuck I had a, you know, I... <clears throat> being, you know, when you look at the map of the world and you see England which where I lived for five years, there's 30 countries within a few hours flight. So after I got done with the regular UK touring circuit, which would be like, you know, places like Dubai and um, 
Asia, uh, um, uh, Hong Kong, and what other places, you know. So then there wasn't really, things started to show up in Scandinavia, but because they're, they were just starting to get their first kind of comedy things going, not only in their own language, but as a, as a stand-up art form, there wasn't really much of it. A lot of the stuff was remnants of like the old man kind of character-based, sticky kind of stuff. And the traditional American uh, uh, sense of stand-up comedy via YouTube, oh, that's how you do it. We'll just do it in our language, in our own version. But the 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 um, the stage, the light, the audience, the mic, that's all standard for it. So I started going over Norway, and they're like, oh, they, all these cool bands are playing. And I started doing shows with – I'm probably the only comedian in the world – I know I'm the only comedian in the world who's ever opened for the band Mayhem. Are they speed metal? <laughs> They're the blackest of the black metal. No, uh, the singer blew his head off with a shotgun. I mean, that is pretty metal. And they, everyone else made necklaces out of the bones of his skull. They, he's, the album cover is the singer's head blown off. I'm good on that. But... Have you seen Headbanger's Journey? Uh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> no, it's not a fuck movie. The Rock documentary. I uh, I have not seen that one. I see it's like great. is it on Netflix? Uh it, it should be. It's by a, a Vancouver um, a guy. Dunn is his last name, and he's a paleontologist. Okay. By by learnage schooling, and he did a documentary. Anyway, there's an infamous interview with Mayhem, and it doesn't go very well. Okay, so check that out, guys. Uh, by the way, Mary Bird Stevens is checking in, saying... Uh, a Mary? Thank you. There's a lady? Between... We're you like, played her house last night. Oh, cool. I was just going to say, me and you, and I don't mean to point... Uh, we're probably the most two unfuckable guys in West Hollywood. I would disagree with you there. Who's more unfuckable? By women? Yeah. Guys around this area... Are you kidding me? If I yawn with my head out the window, someone's going to throw cum in it in this place. You're in a war zone of shit-covered cocks, buddy. You don't have to tell me, bro. No, but I know. You got that Vietnam vet. Like, you don't know, man. You, you weren't, weren't there. there. In West Hollywood, uh, 80s through the 90s. By the way, uh, once again, I do not condone or uh, censor my guests. Their views are their their own views no i i think you're a hero because of it because a, a lot of people uh you can i know you only care about the important shit ratings rape <laughs> rapings right Ra well that too rapings uh ratings ratings uh i've had some weird uh ratings well, but I imagine your fan base uh, is eccentric. Like my fan base, I would say, is blue collar metal, uh, me you know, heavy metal fans, uh, hockey fans, who, who, old alcoholics who can't fuck anymore, who like to rock out. That's possible. That describes most of the bands. I get gas huffing retards. But I mean, that's a great fan base because they will buy your CDs, your merch. If you, you know, they're broke. Because right, they're well, huffing gas. I really like the fact this dog is coming to... Uh, it's settled in with me. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, get Lois is right there. Lois, look into the camera, baby cakes. She's really... Oh, yeah. There's a sense you. of where... 
The light is. Oh, yeah. She's no dummy. Guess she's where my fingers are. She, come on, dude. Don't do that to my dog. I never finger dogs. They yeah, always well. bite, and I'm pretty sure one day they'll be able to talk. Well, I mean, uh, I grew up with Wonder Dog, and uh, so he talked, but, you know, but that's a cartoon. But to your question, Europe is uh, it's cool. And that's how I got more of uh, the this, this style of comedy that I kind of do. Those, those audiences are not... Um, freaked out right what well, you say like american audiences uh this is a whole a global thing that's going on right now with all this political correctness and and things like that people are becoming super sensitive it's very hot key subject matter people just tend to cinch up when certain things are addressed and they because i think they think they're jockeying for position to get attention with a kind of mob mentality to get some sort of notoriety and, and some validation through jockeying up for a, a hate mob. On right. Something. You, you mean like I mean? the me too thing? And yeah, yeah. Just in general, it just, so people were bored. You know what I mean? Rather do something hard, like fucking comedy, <laughs> yeah. which is, the hardest and not only there's so many different trajectories going on the store is at arguably the hottest point of its existence yeah since yet, the 80s and yet people have become so much more sensitive well, i think this store though is uh you know you can be a little more um i don't know if aggressive is the right word but uh it's got a loo it's looser morally. It's an old hooker that everybody loves. Whereas I think the improv is a little more um sky bar. Yeah, it's like uh Oh no, you say improv or the fact uh, Well I Laugh Factory is more like a boy band. Um I call it's like wedding cake. You know, the improv I would say is uh, Yeah, you had John music you had bands pegged and I was trying to repeat this to somebody and I couldn't recall you said three bands for the three clubs, and I was like, that's it. Yeah, I mean, because I think, I, I, I would say the Laugh Factory is a boy band, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. You know, it's very corporate, clean. You go there, you see a show, you leave. Um, I'd say the improv is uh, like uh, Bon Jovi. They got some hard rockers. Uh, you know, they sing about sex, but it's not too graphic. Um, and then the comedy store's Motorhead. Yeah, aggressive in your face and grease on the floor. Yeah, you know, and uh, and all three are great. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm. Yeah, yeah. Everyone goes, "What's the best club out of the three? And I go, "They're all completely different environments." Yeah, I mean, I would say it uh, is depending on the comic. You know, I would say for like uh, Rogan. I mean, Rogan's going to kill it at any one of those clubs, but I would, oh. and I don't know how he feels, but I would say the comedy store fits him the best because it's a little more into the like yeah you know whereas if, someone like say mitch hedberg if he were alive i think would probably fit in better at the improv yeah in the traditional sense oh lois is gonna do a barrel roll here she's oh yeah she's tired she, when i move my hand away watch She's like, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to stop petting. And I'm trying to think of like the Laugh Factory. Well, I mean, that's where Dane Cook blew up because, the, you know, he's, uh, and I'm not a hater of him. You know, I don't really know him that well. But uh, 
you know, I think the laugh fact. Well, I don't. I mean, I, I you know, I think people hate on him because he got so popular, and, and I, I, you know, I've had two interactions with him. One was cool. One was like, oh, and both were at roast battle. Um, you know, the first time was uh, he had come up to judge, and I don't think uh, he knew exactly what the show was, so I started shitting on him, but playfully, nothing disrespectful. And he came up to me after the show, and he's like, hey, man, let's get together, and I'll write you some better shit. Oh, really? <laughs> but he wasn't kidding. He was like, I was like, oh, well, dude, it's just like, you know, we're all like shitting on each other. Yeah. And then uh, the second time was when I, uh, the road to roast battle. Why which, don't we get together and write some, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. And then, but the second time when I was battling, and I, I did very well against my opponent, it, when he was judging, he's like, Earl, I felt like I was watching a video game where one of the players' controllers was broken. <laughs> like he was complimenting me. So it was, oh, well, so you get the show now. I think he finally got what the show was about. So, uh, by the way, we have a. Did you ever spit in someone's face? That's no, not my thing. No, huh? We have a third celebrity. Oh, uh, in, in Facebook Live right now. A lot of people don't know this, but this man was the first drummer in the Vinnie Vincent invasion. And we just brought up Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi. John Bon Blowjob. Helped this band out, get their record deal. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, put your hands together for the man, the myth, the legend the drummer of Cinderella, the great steady Freddie Corey. <laughs> drummers love comedy. You've well, got like three drummers on here. Well, Eric, I've had uh, Eric. Well, no, Eric Singer has not been on the podcast, but uh, Bobby Rock, who uh, be, was, I guess, the second drummer of the Vinnie Vincent invasion, uh, Fred. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I, and someone told me tonight that Gene Simmons is at the comedy store right now. Okay. Uh, I don't think he's gonna his see my there pretty regularly. Yeah, his son's awesome. His son's a total comedy fan. See, if you were like ten percent of a like a cunt, you'd be like, "Hey, Gene, sign my shit." But you know that you're gonna run into him, and he's gonna be sitting here in your living room. You know, I hope. I mean, and go Earl. I've been waiting for this for a long time too. Let's have it out. I mean, asshole. I. You'd probably get into a physical confrontation, though, wouldn't you? Well, I think that you would know be all the buttons. Well, but see, I interviewed him once for ten minutes, thanks to Skylar Stone, who kind of punked me, uh, and it was a—it's a story I've told a few times. Um, Is that when you? Anyway, I was going to make up something about you. Well, yeah. no, he Skylar Stone had uh, contacted my dear friend Whitney Rice and said, "Hey, I know Earl will do any gig." Tell him you have an open mic you can't do. And you, you look, you need something, baby? No, I'm just saying for somebody that has a couch like this and a pet, it's clean. Absolutely. Uh, You're a tidy person. So Skylar uh, knew Whitney would sell it to me. Whitney calls me up and says, hey, I got this open mic. I'm supposed to headline. I can't. You need to do it. Here's the deal. I went down there. It was a total uh, weirdness. I was like, 
uh, Whitney was like, well, you have to park here and then someone will meet you there and take you into this building. I'm like, uh, and this is an open mic. Yeah, you're, you've been in Hollywood too long to get the fucking dildo pulled over your eyes. Yeah, so I go there, yeah. I, I park here, some big black dude meets me and says, are you the comic? I'm like, yeah. And I could tell this guy was like security for someone that was not an open mic. And he takes me into the Clive Davis Theater, uh, which is like by Staples Center in Nokia Live. And I'm like, this is an open mic. And I could hear like hundreds of people on the other side of the wall. But the guy wouldn't let me in. He's like, we're at capacity. We can't let you in until the next con or till the comic who's on leaves. Oh, he was in cahoots with... Yeah, everyone was in cahoots. So finally, I hear, ladies and gentlemen, your headliner tonight, you've seen him on whatever they said. Please give it up for Mr. Earl Skakel. And the security guy opened the door. I run down this dark hallway. <laughs> and the dark hallway led up to the stage. So I saw nothing. I get to the stage. I look up. And it's an empty seat and Gene Simmons. That's cool. And so I got to interview. Nice gag. Yeah, no, Skylar's uh, awesome. Uh, and uh, so I interviewed him for 10 minutes, but. How was the tone of the interview? Well, I was so. I could see you fucking him off. I could have, but I was so. Easily. Well, I had no time to prepare shtick. You've been preparing for this interview for 30 years earl oh i know but like i was so into okay here are my jokes i'm gonna do this and then i get up there and i'm like and i look to the corner of my right eye and there's his son Welcome nick to the jungle baby you yeah it all the time there's his son nick his daughter uh sophie his uh, wife uh shannon she and seems very nice they're all three nice and uh I, i'm like I literally was like speechless, and then Gene motioned for me to come sit next to him, <laughs> and it was With like the hand, yeah. And I'm like, wow. And then uh, Skyler said, "You got ten minutes." So I went real deep. I I was asking him because I'm like the Rain Man of Kiss knowledge. I know like the weirdest. I know more about Kiss by hanging out with you. Well, I just they were so big when I was a kid. Uh, they were like were the Beatles. Yeah, I'm 49. So when I was a kid, like... I hated music, I got to be honest with you. I was never a Kiss fan. Oh, no. I mean, you know, Kiss, you either like them or you hate you you, you don't. No, and I know there's a, 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 at least a third or a half of that Kiss ball is the things that happen outside of the music is part of the whole thing. By the way, we have kind of a fourth celebrity. Drummer? On Facebook Live. No, this man ran he was a controversial figure in la comedy he ran temple 420 a weed church and he i think he ran for mayor of los angeles is he black no craig x rubin in the house and the celebrities are coming far and wide now speaking of dr ken this man did the audience warm up for dr ken's show legend of the la comedy scene the one the only mr this guy's open for more people than Freddie Mercury, <laughs> Mr. Gary Cannon. All right. In the house. Um, so. Uh, Very macho man. The hand in the house. Well, I mean, Gary uh, could make the village people look straight. Um, Is Gary gay? Uh, no, he's so far back in the closet, he's in the warehouse. 
Hello. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Rouse in the house. Dave Santella fan. Oh yeah. Is, uh, so tell him I'll be in Vancouver next or this this weekend coming. You just told him. So yeah. let's get to your tour because I know we're as you know, Jason. I don't plan questions. Yeah. Um, the tour starts in Vancouver. Vancouver. Yuck yucks. Yuck yucks. Vancouver. Yuck yucks. Uh, Calgary. Yuck yucks. Halifax, yuck yucks, St. John, New Brunswick. And then I'm going to shoot a special in Denmark on December 14th. Now, what what made you pick Denmark to do the special? Well, I didn't want to do anything in Canada. Why not? I would think uh, that since you are... Like it's most known in Canada. Is that is that no, fair to I'm say? Mo- I'm more known in uh, like Iceland and Denmark. Okay, Iceland, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and Norway would be. Oh, I, it's eclipse. I never put the attention into Canada anymore. You know, it's it's a um, a very good. I can go and do an hour on stage, three nights a week in front of people who come to see me specifically. The majority, anyway, because you could play um, theaters and and the, the I mean that's how big your yeah, fan base we do, is. We do like I sold second to Seinfeld for most tickets from an international act in Denmark a few years ago. Yeah, so I mean that's uh, we do yeah we do good. I have a good business partner there. My only business partner. I have no representation. You have no representation. I haven't had representation in over a decade now. I do everything myself. Which is crazy that, uh, you know, I'm the same way. I don't put myself on your level of international uh, fame, but, uh, you know. I, but I do the same things that you do. Yeah, I mean, it's. You, because you have to do them. Uh, you know, it's never been easier, I think. Uh, I mean, I've been doing stand-up. We've basically been doing it the same amount of time, I think, close to 20 years, True. if not 20. And I find it's never been easier to make it on your own than right now. This is the whole digital shit. This is like straight up Christian Slater pump up the volume shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have a successful podcast, I I'm not on a network. I have no one helping me. No, uh, that's why I think I uh, uh, you had no. I never saw you with a uh, uh, hang arounds. You know, well, I would you, love you, some. You, you would kind of uh, do your thing. You you maintained your um, shit. Well, I mean, I I was uh, Rob Schneider's opener for four years, so I guess. But I mean, I we were friends and are friends. Yeah. Uh, so I never uh, is it uh, Rob's brother, Tom Green's manager. Yeah, I think John Schneider. I'm not sure yeah. if they still are. I'm out of that the yeah. Schneider loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you don't need representation. If anything, you need a lawyer. And yeah, just fucking kill it. Well, Fuck I mean, shit up. I would you like kick somebody in the face in the front row for not like pissing you off or spit on i mean i'm pretty harmless on stage i don't think i uh offend too many people so i've never really had problems with the audience i mean i guess i would like a manager or whatever to uh someone said it to me the other night at the comedy store it's the perfect uh i think function of a manager at least in my case is you want someone to be the bad guy like you want someone to make like for roast battle, I would have loved to have a bad guy or girl. Certainly, a lot of great female. A buffer, manager. just someone to call up 
you know, whoever at Comedy Help Central. facilitate, yeah, yeah, yeah. And go, hey, uh, why does Earl have the two toughest guys in his bracket? Yeah. Not on my side, but in my bracket. Sure. Uh, Looking at the, the big picture. I would have liked to have, you know, and I'm not saying I wanted uh, easier opponents, but, you know, Somebody I saw. looking out for you so you could focus right. on your craft. Well, I mean, like the first guy I was facing, I, I'm not sure if you know this guy, but he's an awesome Australian comic, Tom Ballard. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a great dude. Uh, and hey, then when I saw you and Jimmy Carr, I was uh, my heart warmed. I'm well, a fan of Jimmy's and yours. And, oh, Jimmy's uh, the best. I knew that there was some uh, there was some mutual respect there. And Jimmy, as you know, had come down to, to work with. Like he he doesn't do that. Like who does that? Oh, Jimmy is and, uh, and hilarious. And he's another one, like a Dr. Ken, <laughs> Russell. Yeah, like yeah, Jimmy's cool. I think his wife's Canadian. Well, he's just so nice, and the complete opposite of his at least roast battle demeanor of being like Christian Bale, American Psycho, like yeah. no emotion. Like we had the best like ten minute conversation. Good laugh too. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> And like I just love him. I think people think yeah. we don't like each other, but uh No. Well, it's like, dude, this is this is pro wrestling. You battle someone for the most part afterwards you're having a dinner with them. Uh, and I think that's what um Jimmy's probably attraction was to that of something that had been in place in the comedy scene now has resurfaced in as kind of a makeshift game show. Yeah, I mean no, he's got his own uh, roast battle UK uh, show. He he he, oh really well uh it's it's roast battle uh but it's like basically in the uk uh -huh. and uh you know i thought it would be wild if i went over there to roast battle him in the uk like you should come over people would hey do you want to come and do a festival of guns and roses in june i think i'm doing a skank fest in june this is the first week of June. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, I find that my act with me, you know, I opened up for Motorhead a few times. I'll be honest with you, it didn't go well. Uh, you opened for Motorhead? Yeah. Well, That's the, cool. the guitar player, Philip Campbell, uh, he, for whatever reason, was a big fan of mine. And I probably wasn't that good back then. Because uh, I believe in comedy, you can always get better. Yeah. Like, I'm better comic than I was a year ago. Most definitely. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully in five years, I'll I'll be amazing and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but he loved me back then, and he... He, he threw you a bone. Oh, yeah. He was like, I want you to it. open... Um, you know, they... <laughs> to be honest with you, I was... Uh, they were uh, playing at the Whiskey. I think they were getting inducted into the Rainbow Walk of Fame, uh, yeah. which is a big deal. It, you know, if you're in L.A. Uh, I'm there all the time. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, I I don't mean to brag, but I inducted the band Hurricane into the uh, Rainbow Walk of Fame. Uh, but uh, Phil wanted me to open for them at the Whiskey, and I'm like, Phil, I just don't think it's a good idea. It's just you, your fans are pretty hardcore. They just Plus, not only that. If you were in uh, uh, some European country opening for Motorhead, you probably would have killed. Well, because yeah, in Hollywood opening for Motorhead. It's like eat the rich. Yeah, that's a that's one of my favorite uh, movies songs of yeah. uh, Motorhead. Eat the rich. Yeah. So you're in front of a bunch of fucking guys who bought Motorhead shirts that day. Fucking coked out agents and pieces of shit. Yeah, I mean, Fuck so those guys. I literally stepped one foot on stage and I heard 
get off the stage, faggot. Oh, we I've want seen that before. We want Motorhead. I'm like, hey, uh, hey guys, my name's Earl. Give it up for Motorhead. I literally didn't do one joke. I'm like, I'm not. I don't like to battle crowds. I love it. I don't. I love it. 10, 15 years ago, I got off on it. Okay, you guys want to go at me? Let's go toe-to-toe. 20 years in or whatever, 19 years. That's because your opponents in this city are what we call in Canada goofs. But at 20 years in, I don't want to deal with goofs. I like. I want to know my fan base. I want to, you know, that's why I love. Oh, is that what you want? At, at this point, yes. Uh, that's why I loved going to Skankfest. Uh, last year in new york it's podcast fans uh open you know they're just okay Anything, nothing sacred it's how it's supposed to be we did naked roast me and ari shafir and bronson hogs out uh, oh yeah everything out. who had the biggest hammer in the room i mean i i had the biggest dick in the room to be honest <laughs> um are you still weighing that thing in the morning i mean let's like just trout you know it's not like milton burl size but i mean milton it's big burl. enough um it, Ari had the biggest balls by far. I mean, he's got issues. And the taffy then, kid. I think uh, Ari's balls look like two bowling balls stuck in hubba bubba. Okay, uh, now you're being rude. That's my friend, man. I love Ari. He's no, the I best. Just, uh, it's a compliment. I spent a month with him in a van, but face to face. Oh yeah, didn't you guys? What was that tour? Because uh, Tripoli, you, Ari, and well, there's Neff. Chris Neff, the legend of Chris Neff. We did, um, fuck, that was like. The Creeps of Comedy? Monsters of Comedy. We spent a month in a van touring. We did like 27 cities in 31 days. And what, uh, I mean, you guys all kind of went your separate ways after that. I mean, you, you all, that's what I love about comedy is you four guys are four of my dear friends in comedy. I, I mean, I don't see Ari a lot, but I love him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Neff is, you know, did went his path. Sam just filmed his special at the Viper I Room. Know. How nice was that? Were you there? I was not. I went to the second show. It was cool. But, I just but, came from his house to hear it. Oh, Sam's the best. Yeah. I mean, that's a He's dude. Insane. But, I mean, that's a guy who, you know, we talk about doing it on your own. I, I'm not sure if he has representation or whatever. Can I charge uh, yeah, you can charge that. I'm going to ask you a long-winded question. Sure. And then I'm going to... Uh, is that an iPhone? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Sorry, I'll be stranded without the... No, that's okay. So uh, tell me about that tour, Monsters of Comedy, Chris Neff, Sam Tripoli, Ari Shafir, 31 shows, 27 days. How do you get along with three other comics in a van? Fine. You know, it was... I'd moved to L.A., after the nasty show in 2007 i think i moved here in yeah 2007 yeah no uh fall of 2007 i think i did the nasty show in uh june or july in montreal the just for laughs festival which you've attended which i was cool i remember seeing you maybe weeks before and i'm like dude montreal is gonna fucking blow your mind and when you came back you were like it was fucking awesome so we all got in a van and uh, booked a bunch of comedy clubs and rock clubs and made merchandise and traveled from Los Angeles all the way up like Arizona through the coast up to Seattle, Portland, all the way up to Vancouver. Um, these kind of, you know, at that point, me, Ari, Sam and Chris were all kind of like, fuck, man, like the store was dead. 
it was just before it started to pick up again. And we were kind of dirty, uh, out, you know, Sam was doing some naughty shows here and there. And I think Ari was just kind of getting that storytellers thing going. So there was kind of things percolating, but we were all kind of scratching our heads, wondering what the fuck, there's no doors open for any of us. So we started a gang and I'm like, I didn't know Ari that well. I knew him relatively well. I knew him well enough to know that he would be uh, fun and good on this thing and Sam and Chris and so on and so forth. And then I said, well, let's film this shit. So there was a camera kid, a young comic from my hometown who we said, you get fed. Who, Chris Gaskin? No, uh, this kid, Patrick Coppolino. And uh, he, and then Will C was our driver. So there were six guys in a van. So it was a passenger van. And we drove all the way up uh, and did all these shows. And we did good. We made money, sold T-shirts. Is that a sponsor? You don't drink. No, the uh, Rockstar does not sponsor me. I have one sponsor for Inappropriate Earl. Was and- that a board removal thing? No, it's uh, Stephen Piercy's mic knuckles. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go radio silent and show you the mic knuckles. Are you? Is there a camera on your side or is it just me? It's just me. Just me. I mean, just you. So, so uh, just shooting me so I yeah. look like some nut. Stephen Piercy's mic knuckles. I like the fuck mirror. Oh, so you can see yourself in the mirror. Pick up a pair of mic knuckles. Go on Twitter at M-I-C Knuckles. And if you're an open micer and you want to bomb but look cool, I suggest these. Or if you're a singer, you know, you want to be a little stylistic. Or fucking give someone a straight right to the fucking <laughs> cocksucker for not shutting the fuck up in the front row. You know, I don't get to... You know, I'm a weird... <laughs> I'm a weird-looking guy, so I don't get heckled too much. No. I'm a weird-looking guy, and I never get heckled. Now let's get back to that tour though. Like who? Oh, how did you? Because those you guys are all four killer comics. Yeah, it was all, assassins, and we 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 flip flopped. I I knew going into it, it wasn't going to be a middle headliner situation. It was going to be, you know, we we all agreed that we would uh, alternate when necessary. There was no headliner during the show. Um, our camera guy would go on if we if there was time and it was appropriate and when we had a real hole to dig ourselves out of with whether or not it was a, a shitty room or poorly attended, Will would go up and play cheerleader and get them going and then send out the assassins one after another. So it was like 20, 2020 or something like that. We all did the same time. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, former Booker of the Improv, the great legendary D. Burdett is right. in the house. Oh, shit. I missed D. He's the best, you know, would always, always uh, be nice to me. We're talking about like past heads. But um, yeah, come back to Hollywood once in a while. I well, see your daughter more than her. I don't know if she lives in Long Beach or. Yeah, I mean, I uh, do her. Uh, well, it's, I guess it's it's a show or a room. She used to book uh, Harvell's every now and then, the great jelly bean John Benitez. I always uh, go in there super horny. It's a horny room. Well, it's uh, also because the Lolita's burlesque group is in there, and uh, they They had a a girl named Mrs. Shit Whiskers who used to pick up peanut butter with her peanut butter sandwiches 
You can't be grossed out. <laughs> Actually, I can be. Why are you grossed out? You because live. I'm a normal guy. I know where I live, but I don't need to think you what my neighbors are doing. I know that, and it's not that. It's like you live not like you live in the, like the weirdest place in California. Like What's literally, the, it's, almost it's the gayest. Only in on the corner, but not only that. The queerness is one thing, but because of the traffic from Sunset and everything coming up from Santa Monica. You're in the, uh, I don't know what the surfing term when to... The barrel. You're in the barrel. You're in the barrel, buddy. Well, I mean, when With I first... fucking dog. When I first moved in here, literally the first night, I had looked, uh, long story short, at probably 200 condos uh, right after 9-11. I don't know why. Uh, I was like, I got to buy... I, I've always had good credit, but I didn't have a lot of credit because mm. I would always pay for things in full. Like yeah. I... I did a Doritos commercial in like 2006. Squared off all your debts. No, I bought a, my car I have now uh -huh. in full. Just walked into the Dodge dealer, and I won't say the dealership because they sucked, but I, I literally walked in there, and I was like, I want the fastest station wagon. Dodge Magnum uh, you guys have on the lot. I don't want to do one thing to it. I don't want this version. I want the best version. The guy's like, it's right over there. I said, here's a check. Basically gave them the check Doritos gave me. Yeah. That's and, cool, uh, though. Well, I think, you know, I'm a pretty observant person. And I think you've come up in this place and seen some of the best and worst examples. Well, I mean, it, it's so I, I so I bought this place. Um, funny thing is, uh, it was two gay drug dealers owned this place before me. Is it a restaurant? Uh, no, it Two was gay drug dealers. Yeah, it was called Tube Steak Tacos. Um, and I'm gonna oh. take the camera off. Can I get mine without a bun, please. Yeah, I'm gonna take the camera off you for a second. Apparently, the drug dealers would throw the drugs out this balcony. You can't see it, but where this, uh, where the blinds are open, they would have a uh, funnel system where uh, you know dead guy's mouth it was like the new no it was out his ass uh new jack city style and uh so the first and i have the same phone number my landline i actually have a landline that they had I, the, the number didn't change so for three months after moving in here i would get phone calls from people wanting drugs that's cool though not really but uh not but, for you but this place is it is, you know, I've never really thought about it like you put it. Like, you know, obviously, uh, I live on the cruising street of West Hollywood. You said it right the first time. The barrel, buddy. You're right yeah. in the barrel. So, but, so you've got the gays coming, uh, I guess you'd say, north. And then the straights, you know, coming south. And, yeah. uh, you know, like the first uh, night I moved in was the night that gay actor got... Uh, Fucked in the mouth. Uh, well, I mean, that's every night, but um, gay bashed and it was put in a coma. In uh, this area? Yeah, right. Uh, the block uh, Who gets west. beat up in West Hollywood for being gay? Uh, well, back, you know, early 2000s. And then the second night, I this is when I had three dogs. So everyone really thought I was gay. Uh, all small dogs. Yeah, but you used to... Anyway. And I... <laughs> I can see your heartbreaking as the words start. Oh, he's gonna ruin everything that I love. So I walk in the three dogs, and you know everyone's on edge. 
I mean, literally everyone was carrying baseball bats yeah. and, and uh, stuff uh, and, you know, walking their dogs late at night because that's when the attack happened. And so I see a Suburban pull up next to me and I thought, oh my God, I'm about to get jumped. So I'm start looking around at places where I could throw the dogs. Throw the dog? Well, like oh, o- yeah. over at like a balcony or something so they'd be safe. And I, if I had to fight, uh, you know, I'd... And the, the, the window uh, starts opening and the passenger side, I'm like, oh my God, it's either I'm going to get shot or I'm going to get jumped. And I see a bullhorn come out and in this exact booming voice, I think it was a black dude, it was like, hey, you faggot, go get some pussy. And I'm like, uh, really? hey, I'm trying, bro. It ain't easy. <laughs> and the, uh, I heard everyone in the car laugh. So I killed. Hello. Uh, uh, Casey Moran in the house. What's up, Casey? I uh, hope you're yeah, doing. You should have said, hey, when they said, hey, faggot, get some pussy, you should have looked at the watch and said, well, you're late. Well, I didn't want to antagonize these guys. That's what we're different. Well, I, you know, when you're one on what I'm assuming was at least three or four guys in the car, you know, I almost got into a fight the other night out here. You just bite one guy's nose off and spit it into his buddy's face, and they all simmer down. Well, you know, I, I, hopefully I never have to fight ever you again. Get your knees on the shoulders and then dip down and grab the end of the nose and just pop it off like a champagne cork. Well, I mean, I, I try to avoid fighting. Although the other night I almost got into a fight with three dudes. I was walking my walking Lois, uh, and these three guys were coming at me. They were shit hammered. Like, yeah. they literally, all three of them were using each other to walk. Um, so they're uh, locked arm, arm, and arm. They're taking up the whole sidewalk. So I start walking uh, on the street, but Lois is still on the sidewalk. One of them steps on Lois's foot. Lois yelps. I'm like, really, guys? You're not going to fucking apologize? And the one guy started to come at me. And luckily, his friend held him because uh, it was... Oh, I think uh, Jason's uh, pacemaker's uh, oh, ticking. My uh, medications. Um, so uh, luckily, I to blow coke up my ass with a straw. Well, I'll see. I'll see at the store. Um, <laughs> so you know, I didn't. Long story short, nothing happened. But like you know, I don't. I don't want to have to fight. No. I mean, Get last over time. Over it. Well, I'm 49, man. I'm not fucking fighting, Why and not? and I don't want to get sued. Like, I don't even fight That's when I. Thing though, if you were in like England or Canada, you can kick the fuck out of each other. It's really exciting. Yeah, but well, it depends. Like, I don't even fight when I play hockey. You know, I don't want to get sued. Like, uh, you know, because when I you can get sued at a hockey game. Well, if I hit someone, they're gonna get hurt. What are you guys playing rollerblades at holding each other's hips? Like What's a serious like? It's it's foot hockey. It's deck hockey. Uh, now I'm gonna take. Well, I guess I could do this. I want you people. Show me that birthmark near your asshole. No, I'm gonna show the fans. There's a couple ball hockey trophies over there. Mm. There's a couple right there. I mean, look at all these ball hockey trophies. Have you ever taken a hockey? You know those orange hockey balls, the indoor ones? Oh, yeah. Now, there's Lois. Lois is chilling right there. Lois is just on her bed. She's trying to get my lead press-on nail out of her asshole. Come on, man. Have, have, play it cool. <laughs> you got lots of hockey stuff. There's a... Like, uh, the they Live mask. They Live mask. Roddy Roddy what Piper. What Piper think of that? Here's he ha- the... Oh, he gave it to me. He gave it to you? Here's the uh, podcast center live. We're live. We're doing it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. 
motherfucker. So we'll do it live. Well, love Bill O'Reilly. That guy's a horny bastard. Uh, is that from the movie or something? Or did autograph picture of Chewbacca right there? Um, oh, it looks like my flashlight with a smile. Jesus, dude, you're out of control. All, all my hockey fight tapes. I never, I couldn't afford sex toys when I was a kid, so we used to just tie my brother to a door handle. Jesus, you're next level. Uh, <laughs> But hey, when I don't know if you'd like being on the road with me. I would because we're so, <laughs> in theory, are we're different, uh-huh. but we're the same. Like we're yeah. cool. So, uh, I but I'm a chameleon. I can get along with anybody for the most part. And that's a, that's a a lot of a lot of people don't know how to do that. Keep their mouth shut and when not to. Well, I get along. For, for, like I said, I mean, uh, I don't have too many enemies uh, i can't really th- maybe think You're of one a or diplomat earl and i and i praise you for that well some people would say that it's uh passive aggressive no i think i someone uh said i'm always the man in the middle like i don't take a side but i don't think you have to like no but the things that people were asking you to take sides for you in your heart know it doesn't matter and it's a waste of everybody's time to pick sides for this high school <laughs> horseshit drama yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, I'm 49. I, I can't say I don't have the time, but I don't have the energy uh, for, like, the games. Like, you know. No. Uh, well, you're adult. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a great line in probably my favorite sports movie of all time. It's not what your country can do for you, but maybe today's not a day to take the station wagon. Well, no, it's North Dallas 40. It's a great football movie. It's basically an expose in the NFL in the 70s. And uh, Nick Nolte plays this party. Nick Nolte. Great. That guy likes to drink and fuck. Well, that, that's what he'd like to do in this movie. And, really? Um, that's a stretch. Uh, the coach uh, who was... It's basically based on the 70s Dallas Cowboys. And uh, the coach uh, was telling Nick Nolte, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I ate as a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things. And, uh, you know, I just... Roman Polanski said that, too. Well, uh, anally. Yeah. (laughs) He's put his childish things away from behind. How old was that kid that he fucked? 13. 13. Yeah, that's crazy. I had a, you know... 13? How old was he? He was in his 60s. I think he was in his 40s. That's like Game of Thrones sex. I mean, I'm not... do that shit now. And who... What's the power thing? I mean, mean, I've never... First of all, who leaves their 13-year-old girl around a movie director? Yeah, great parenting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think anyone who sleeps with kids anyone but i'm hardcore in this like if you're if they're under 18 you should be arrested yeah uh and i'm being actually serious for once it means so much to me like uh, if you take advantage you a good satanist well if you take advantage of a, a person under 18 just to, to fulfill your own fucking sexual whatever you're you should be arrested but that's another podcast there's a, a guy that used to come to my show's played in this grindcore band who just got uh, uh, 244 years for child pornography. Well, I mean... Uh, Seems fitting. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, yeah, I just like... It's weird the number after 100 years, like... 
I mean, I think it's more for for show. Yeah. Well, we're we're serious. Uh, like the guy uh, you get out in seventy. The gymnast uh, coach uh, Larry Nasser. I think he got like some crazy like three hundred and fifty years. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it's uh, it's it, that's what I've always found fascinating about prison. You could be a rapist. You're cool. You could lopped off three people's sure. heads. You're cool. Uh, you fuck a kid, they'll kill you. Like, <laughs> as they should. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, but I just, it's weird that. Uh, the, because that's the most lowest human thing to cannibalize on hope. They eating, they eat hope. Yeah, just, well, kids, and but, uh, you know, but even like, what, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds, even if they're, you know, that's when you start probably going, what is sex like or being curious, but like. No, not now. There's so oh, much now. Now I think it's definitely that. Like, I knew a girl at Notre Dame High was on the pill when she was 13. Yeah, but sometimes they put young women on pills to uh, leg, uh, regulate their periods and things like that. They're under birth control for other reasons than but then when the sex offenders find out i can fuck this kid and i get her pregnant oh yeah well it's a lot of nervous comments how many retarded kids do you think are oh, yeah. in warehouses against their will oh my god i mean well it's funny that you get that hbo movie about paterno coming out and paterno. I, I joe paterno the coach of penn state but that's where Sandusky was the coach. So it's like, oh, is uh, there like a pedophile ring out of this college? Well, basically, Jerry Sandusky was fucking kids. He would take these kids, you know, and show them like the Penn State locker room. Like, you know, it's a big deal if you're like a football, young football fan. Oh, you want to go in the same locker room where Franco Harris played and all these other great Penn State, you know, alumni. And, and it was basically... Hey, you want to go see the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yeah. Here, put this condom on me. Yeah. You asshole. Well, I mean, that's... Hockey actually has, it. I think, uh, the worst with their... Uh, the way teenagers play hockey is, you know, you leave home at, you know, 15, you play junior hockey. From a farm. Yeah, and and next thing you know, you're in a major city. Who was the hockey players? I remember this was a big thing. There was a, some NHL players who confessed to being molested by a coach, and they, one of them committed suicide. Well, I had him on my, um, I had him on my couch. Uh, the actually. guy who committed suicide? No, no, uh, the Theo Fleury uh, played in the Calgary Flames. And he uh, was one of the victims of yeah, he, and he was very open about it, and uh, he was awesome. Like. Uh, Probably my favorite he interview. talked about that on your podcast? Yeah. Good I, you know, I reached out to him. Uh, he did a great documentary. Very interesting. Oh, he was like... It's like, very cool that he did that. Yeah, I mean, it was called... He did a documentary. I think it was called Victory Walk. I might be off on the name, but if you look up Theo Fleury documentary, the, the pro, I, I'm almost sure it's Victory Walk because he did a... Uh, um, a uh, Story about this. Charity event. Uh, yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I reached out to him on Twitter thinking he would never get back to me. And wow. uh, how many followers did he have at that time off the top of your head? Oh, he's, you know, he's 100,000. Yeah, something like that. And so he's for like, you to get it, yeah, he's clearly, yeah, he's getting like tons of messages, especially him. And, uh, yeah. 
uh, he was making the media rounds. I'm like, ah, he'll probably never do it. But I reached out to him. And he's like, you got 20 minutes. Show him all your jerseys. I did. He, he went into the jersey oh, really? room. And, you know, obviously it's a serious, uh, you know, he brought his publicity team. So it's like all these guys are there and they're like, dude, you got 20 minutes. Your clock's on yeah, now. Safeguard. And I'm like, hey, man, can we just go upstairs for one second? And I could tell he was like, oh, come on, dude, I got I got to go. As soon as he went up there, his jaw dropped. And oh, like, really? And like the little kid in him. No, he recognized like, all of it, right? was like, okay. like, And I... Uh, when he, he just thought you were some fucking Hollywood guy trying to get a leg up on something that maybe you were interested in, and then you put out your playing cards and a single tear, like when you Indian in the garbage. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, and what what was cool is you know all my jerseys upstairs are um, game worn by fighters, and when Theo Fleury was on the Rangers, he was involved in this game. Uh, against the New York Islanders. Long story short, uh, he and Sandy McCarthy, who were on the Rangers, Sandy was a big black dude, uh, pretty good player, but uh, they were like a WWE tag team. They were attacking the... warrior type? (laughs) He's just a big dude. They were like attacking the Islanders as a a duo, and I brought down... uh, Theo Fleury got into a, a fight with a guy by the name of Steve Webb, and I had the Steve Webb's jersey from that game and Sandy McCarthy's jersey from that game. So with Theo's on the couch, I said, you've been in a room with these two jerseys before. So I, and he, he didn't quite get, I'm like, no, no, I, those aren't jerseys I bought at a store. Those are jerseys from that game. And he just, he looked at Steve Webb's jersey like, I hate that guy. Because uh, Steve Webb, was this guy it's like a comics headshot right that you didn't like yeah, yeah. uh be yeah. like me seeing a roast battle comic i didn't like or whatever uh their headshot or something but steve webb was this great player in the early to mid 2000s for the islanders he would take these. this he, is the longest i've ever talked about hockey in my life you're the only person who's made it interesting enough i've never seen a game in my life but i'm going to send you this youtube some fan made a youtube it's about a seven minute YouTube uh, highlight reel of Steve Webb's greatest hits to uh, drowning pools, let the bodies hit the floor. Um, and he was a he wasn't a great fighter, but he would cause so much shit that he would basically get beat up so his team could get a power play. Yeah, <laughs> and he was he just was so nice. fun to watch. Um, but uh, you know, by the way, drowning pool that song I think debuted on nine eleven, and I'm not doing a joke. I have a drowning pool story. Tell it. Well, that bodies hit the floor is on every fucking social media tag and whatnot. So I tweeted to them that I'm not a fan of their band, and they tweeted back. But I like that. Yeah, I didn't say anything nice to them. Oh, okay, I, I can appreciate that. And uh, and then I and then Lana Del Rey a couple of times. Anyway, I don't message people anymore. But I I did that once. Uh, there was a documentary. I, I, I believe it's the greatest documentary of all time. And I'm being completely serious. It's called Cocaine Cowboys. Oh, fuck. The first one. Yeah. Well, there's two, the second one's very good, too. But yeah. the first one was just like, uh, it, it was just innovative how it was done. They they interviewed the, the helicopter pilot, the, the boat driver. I mean, it's done through the criminal's eyes. Um, and then he... Uh, the Billy Corbin, 
who also did the 30 for 30 on uh, Miami, uh, you, ESPN's uh, legendary documentary series. He came out with an MMA documentary uh, about underground MMA in Miami. And uh, there was this one like scene. Underground fight. Uh, yeah. B- cool. b- basically backyard MMA fights. And uh, the feature guy uh, was this guy by the name of Dada 5000. Huge uh, black I've guy. Heard of, I've heard of that guy. Um, He's probably made some YouTube videos. Yeah. Him. Well, that's Kimbo Slice. Yeah, yeah. Kimbo yeah. Slice was the first guy that put his YouTube yeah, videos yeah. out. And was like, wow, this is crazy. Dada 5000 was like his, com- like his competitor, if you will. Yeah. And uh, so Billy Corbin does this uh, documentary called Dogfight, and uh, or Dog Pound or Dogfight, uh, and uh, there was this scene where a pit bull takes a shit in the field, like right by the mock octagon. Yeah, and I said that was the best part of the documentary, and Billy Corbin tweeted back at me, <laughs> "Everyone's a critic." <laughs> Yeah, and we've become buddies now. Like, okay, uh, he saw a roast battle. I will not be at a drowning pool concert. Well, yeah, that's cool. Uh, Kimbo Slice is dead now. Thank you to Eddie and Chat, uh, and I believe Dada Five Thousand died, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if anyone who's listening can tell me the name of Billy Corbin's uh, MMA documentary, I'd like to uh, be factually correct. I think it's it's either Dog Fight or Dog Pound, um, but it's a great. Uh, you know, look into the wackiness. Like it's kind of like those backyard wrestling, uh, yeah, things that I used to buy. That's there were some kids in Canada that were cranking those out. They'd come to my show and give me some uh, burned DVD that they'd done, and these kids were flipping off a roof through tables on the, like broken glass and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I've never laughed. Super left. Dave Osborne with none of the dummy stuff. Which, oh, I love Super Dave. That was shot in my hometown. Really. Do you know the scene where he gets thrown into the punch, the, the the pit? It's been a while, so no. There's a scene where he's doing a stunt, as always, and he goes off a cliff. Well, that that one of the, the cliff area that they'd use for a lot of the stunts was my mother's house. It's the devil. My mother lives at the bottom of the devil's punch bowl in Hamilton with a giant cross. It's such a contradiction, like. There's the Devil's Punch Bowl, which is this cavernous pit where people fall down all the time. And there's a massive uh, lit cross at the top of it. Oh, watch out. I know. You go up there. I take a shit off the end of the cross. Well, there, I mean, you know. Last Easter. It, the Hamilton, home of the Steelhawks. Thank you very much. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky's brother played for the Hamilton Steelhawks probably 89. That would be Brent. Thank you very Is that much. Gretzky, yeah. I always felt bad for him. I mean, what a tough gig. It'd be like being like Lexington Steele's brother. Ah. Okay, is your dick as big as your brother's? Yeah, that's fine. You 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 gonna carry that regardless whether you're lucky I mean, or not. Gretzky, but, what? But if you're Wayne Gretzky's baby brother, um Yeah, it's like being Keenan Ivor Wayne's his brother. Yeah, right. Well, which you're, one? There's like twelve of them. Yeah, you're your dog fight. Thank you very much, Eddie. Dog fight. Dog fight. Uh, but like, I can't imagine the pressure of. I mean, Wayne Gretzky transcends. It's not your pressure. That's the thing, though. You've got the notoriety. You've got a spotlight. What are you going to do with it? There's some people that excel and they live under the uh, umbrella of their more famous. What were those two uh, black tennis players? The, the Williams sisters. Yeah. 
But I mean, can One you imagine be being They're the world class talents though? But they were equally as good almost. But can you imagine being like the Williams brother and you're like on the male, your male tennis player and everyone's going to compare you to your sisters? See, I had older brothers and sisters, but I killed them. So well, I'll be go. the leader. I'll see you on the internet. All right, well. Two brothers and sisters? I have two brothers, two sisters. We all get along. We don't see each other a lot just because, you know, it, this is a... Uh, you know, comedy, you keep strange hours. Uh-huh. So, uh, but we all get along. We're, we're, our family was raised like wolves. Like we all ate separately. <laughs> you know, our meals would be cooked, you know, by the maid or whatever. Yeah. And then I'd go and watch TV in the den. My sisters would go upstairs to their rooms. My brothers would eat outside while they're jumping off the, the roof to, in the pool. So, it's, but we love each other. How about you, brothers, sisters? Brothers and uh, a brother and a sister. Younger, I'm the oldest. And do you get along with them? And uh, I don't really talk to my brother, and my sister and I are cool. Why uh, about the brother? Why? Uh, just uh, uh, there's nothing to discuss. He's really thinking Sam Tripoli with the thyroid condition. Okay. So it's just as much controversy and uh, paranoia. And secret society, um, uh, what is it called? Skull and bones, the that Illuminati. Type. Yeah, Illuminati, all that stuff. So that's his thing. And I don't give a shit. I live in the present. I like the fires here and now. Malachi. See, so book a room, Malachi. <laughs> uh, that's inside baseball with the comedy. Well, what do you, what's coming up for you? I mean, we're uh, about to wrap up here. Yeah. Uh, go to my website. Everything's on there. JasonRouse.com. I have a podcast myself, which you were a very early guest on. It was, I was like, who do I want? Who can I talk to for an hour? Earl Skakel was on, uh, Jason Rouse's safe word, which you can find at iTunes, iCloud, my Instagram, Jason Rouse, six, 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 uh, Canadian tour, April, and then September, October, or sorry, October, November, Canada, june europe and i will be shooting my hour special in copenhagen two shows at a club that i can't really tell you right now on december 14th and first weekend of june i will be uh alongside the guns and roses marilyn manson and all that shit at the download festival in donnington all right, we're going to uh, we're going to talk for like a couple minutes off Facebook Live because I want you to listen to the rest mm-hmm. on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, so Jason's the best, uh, and thank you guys. The fans yeah. are the best. Thanks uh, for watching, everybody. I appreciate it. I mean, you guys uh, somehow have gotten me to number nine on iTunes comedy, which is for me, it's a big deal. You deserve it. I mean, you know, uh, if everyone were like you, Jason, it'd be, a, like I said many times throughout this podcast, it'd be an easier world to navigate. But, but how uh, boring would that be? We're going to continue for a few minutes off Facebook Live. We'll see you on the internet. All right, we are done with Facebook Live. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was fun. And then, uh, so... <laughs> here comes the hard question but this is the real deal now oh fuck how i know how i've survived in 20 years of la comedy mm-hmm. how have you survived 
Well, this is actually on a 10-year anniversary that I've been here. I moved here December 10 years ago. What year would that be? 2008? Yeah. Yeah, December 2007, I think, I moved here. And because I'm a, a, a green card holder, I'm an alien with extraordinary ability is my title. Um, I have to stay in the States for six months. So I only really have to weather this storm six months out of a year. And it is a storm because, as you know, there's not the um, stand-up comedy on the give a shit list of Hollywood is really at the bottom. And because um, there's no money and and pure stand up, like if you're at our level of be. they don't make stand up comedy clubs here. They make movies and TV shows, so it's hard. You know, I see you on the patio. This is probably the most interactive that we hand because we're completely doing damage control and uh, dealing with the nonsense that's kind of under the umbrella of the Hollywood comedy scene. Well, I mean, I, uh, you know, after roast battle, I took a few meetings. I, I certainly don't say that in a bragging way. And, and, yeah. and they were it was like, nice to have some attention for a minute. But they were like, basically, uh, what do you got? Yeah. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I, how can you make my job easy? I want to be a great stand up. And they're like, every single meeting at, at different yeah. types of. It was like, oh, there's no money in that, dude. What do you got? You got a TV show? You got this? Yeah, when you become a great stand-up comedy, you get so good that other opportunities start to show themselves. Like I was saying earlier with the, you know, do your thing, you know, be yourself to your best abilities. And if certain things aren't firing, you got to say, if you're being angry, living in Los Angeles because you're not making a living doing stand-up comedy, you're retarded. It, it doesn't exist. Well, uh, it it's, I, I think, uh, people who get into stand-up comedy for money quit in about six months. Oh, fuck yeah. In LA. Yeah. In New York, you can no, make it, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In London, um, London, England, and New York City are the only cities in the world that have a... a the most realistic measuring stick of pure stand-up. But I think uh, in New York, I like, I don't think I could ever move there just because I'm so ingrained yeah, you're, you're in LA. LA guy. But I love the uh, honesty of New York. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like when You go there, you get hard truths to the face. And I appreciate that. Well, I love... And I don't know if he'll like me saying his name. Don Knotts? Oh, yeah, Don Don Knotts, D's Knotts. Uh, <laughs> but Patrick Milligan at the stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, prison guard in the daytime, booker at night, but there's no bullshit with him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care if you're on a TV show. He doesn't care if you're friends with this comic or that comic. He cares, are you going to be funny in my club? Sure. And if you are, I don't care. If you don't have one credit, you'll get on. If you have a thousand credits and you're not funny, you're not getting on. Well, so I, I don't think you get that in LA. Although not at all. Well, to a degree, I mean, I think Adam, the booker at the comedy store, is um, he's not credit based. You know, certainly uh, I was passed at the time. I had 
not one credit. Um, so, uh, and Paige at the improv, um, if you're funny, you'll get on at the improv. Um, then what's my problem? <laughs> will you, will you tell me, answer your own question. I don't have a problem, but those, I have a resume. It would rival most at comedians in the world to, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pill to swallow. Well, you're like, I'm trying to think, because I, you know, once again, I'll, I'll go, I'll go back to music. Um, you're kind of like Kiss from the standpoint of Kiss got no radio play because they just Twisted Sister. You see the Twisted Sister documentary? I did. I thought it was a little long, to be honest with you. And I'm a fan. But I thought two and a half, Kiss, you can do a two and a half hour documentary on because of their history. I, I just thought, you know, and I'm a huge fan of Dee Snyder. Uh, I love Twisted Sister. But, you know, their, their, their career was relatively short in terms of, you know, their popularity in America was really 83 to 86, 87, you know, they came out with an album, which I love, called Love is for Suckers. It wasn't a Twisted Sister album. It was basically Stay a... Stay Hungry was the shit. But Love is for Suckers, it's a great... Down, down, <laughs> See down. no evil, to hear no evil, you're gonna burn in hell. But... And, you're gonna burn in hell! Ooh, that's my... Speak no evil. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought... Two and a half hours was a little much. I thought it dragged a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, even though I know yeah, they're... That's your backyard, so you're going to be more nitpicky. But I mean, no, I thought... Well, I know their history in New York, they would struggle for 10 years before they made it. You know, in I think York, people... They were Philly band, though. Or so they were like Brooklyn, New York. They, I mean, they played Philly, but yeah. like... Um, I, I just thought like... Sober, guys. For the most part, yeah. I mean, um, although like, how do you stay sober in a glam rock band in the eighties? Well, another coke, like, come on, man. Like, you know, I, I tell you, a band who most people wouldn't think would deserve, a, and they had a pretty good documentary actually on Netflix, awesome. A Quiet Riot. Yeah, because they were around. You know, they're very much like Twisted Sister, where people just pick up on them with "Come on, Feel the Noise." And the after fans, Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it. They don't realize that Quiet Riot was Van Halen's main competition in the late seventies. Yeah. Um. You, but you don't hear Randy Rhodes was in Quiet Riot. Yeah. Um. The initial. Uh, so I think a lot of people don't. Um, they don't look past the uh, the greatest hits albums. Well, yeah. It's like uh, I think a lot of people uh, look at Kiss as rock and roll all night. Beth. And that's it. But you know, their they, their history is is pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, I I just thought that it, it dragged a little bit. I'd like to see a documentary, to be honest with you, on the Village People. Who hasn't done a documentary? And yeah, that's a big story. Well, I mean, uh, you know, they had they were one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. For like a, a year and a half, two year run. What was the oh solid gold? Do you remember yeah. that show? Andy Gibb. Yeah. No, no, no. The the the, the disco show. Yeah, Andy was Gibb. It, was it Andy Gibb that hosted it? Yeah. 
Oh. Um, but I remember seeing Village People on there, and I'm like... Well, they were on Merv Griffin. Uh, These guys are tough. That Indian looks tough. Well, the leather guy who died of uh, pneumonia. Oh, yeah? Um, I didn't know you'd get pneumonia from taking a load in the back of the lower well, intestine. I mean, well, we don't have to get into that kind of talk, but like, uh, you, you know... Well, friends of mine in Africa... Uh-oh, watch out. ...would say that... Um, in the papers, they because it was kind of like a, a downer to say that you, they died of AIDS, so they'd say ammonia and stuff like that. Well, that's, you know, when you, uh, I had this discussion the other night with someone, like when you uh, have someone who dies mysteriously and they say it was the flu or, uh, you, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, the complications from the flu. It's like, uh, I've had the flu a lot. I've never come close to dying. From yeah, it. I never lost 87 pounds in six months. <laughs> you know, that, from the flu. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, athlete's foot, but not the flu. The, the swamp fever flu. Do you get sick? Um, I get sick maybe once a year, uh, but when I get sick, it sucks. Like yeah. it, it's like brutal. I'm a, a one year. There was about two months ago where I was like, "Fuck, man, out of me." Um, in Canada, it's brutal. But I, because I, I take so many vitamins and uh, whatnot that I don't um, get sick too often. But when I do, it's it's I'm out for like two days. But I I don't really take a lot of medicine, so uh, I rough I rough it out. So do you eat? You eat good. I try to. I I eat late at night, which is probably the worst thing I do. But even then, it's That's good. A big thing here in L.A. I'm like, why are we going to a fucking diner at uh, one in the morning? I know it's a social thing to do, but just do Coke or something. Well, I don't do that, so I don't have that option. Oh, that's true. So, but so I've you tried just to go and eat some like. I go sliders. to Swingers. Uh, you know, I'll go swingers to. Swingers is good. I like the quinoa uh, breakfast scramble thing that they do there. You know, Mel's avocado toast with the little chilies and the olive oil on it. Yeah, you can, um, by the way, I'm getting a tweet. You know, my set is at the Comedy Store in an hour and a half. Yeah. Gene Simmons is still in the building. That's very so cool. I don't think he'll be there at 12.15, but. Uh, you never know. You know. Maybe Brian Holtzman will go on before you. <laughs> I've had to follow Holtzman. Uh, I try and turn, That's we'll wrap up with this. I want Holtzman to do my, like, at my funeral. Holtzman, I go watch him. The best. But let's pause for a minute. Brian Holtzman at the Comedy Store. If you're going to go see, okay, Ding Dong Show, Holtzman, and then after that, it's gravy. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, some. Brian Holtzman. He is like, uh, he, we did an Italian. He's amazing. Like how I go. It's almost like comedy school for me because he, he has material. Breaks the rules. He breaks the rules and he'll lose the crowd, but I go to watch him win them back and he does it 100% of the time. Um, I don't want to say what particular jokes he'll lose the crowd on because I don't want to... You all should... The whole thing is a ploy to lose the crowd. Absolutely. No, it's like an Andy Kaufman, like, you guys don't get what he's doing to you guys right now. Um, yeah, it's so... Inside, it's great. I love it. Oh, he's and, like and, 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 gentlemen. I wonder his button. 
Oh, he's like, it's so intimidating to me that someone like him isn't famous. And I don't know what famous is. To, like That echoes through the comedy community, I think. But it's like, what's making it? To some comics, I've made it. Yeah. Just to some, to me, you've made it. I haven't had a day job in 18 years. That's making it to me. To other people, though, we might be stiffs. And Russell Peters is making it. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly... I would say that's a correct assumption. Russell has made it. Uh, but I'm sure even to Russell, it's like, well, uh, George Carlin made it. Like, and even to George oh, yeah, Carlin, yeah, you know, yeah. it's He's like... His cross is the bear. Everyone... Everybody has. But that's what motivates you and keeps you moving is the, 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 the struggle. It's fun. I mean, I can't... Lucky. This is a crazy time in America, in comedy, in this city. Look at... See, I get the kind of dip in and out... Out... Oot. of the country and you're so embedded in this that this is in hindsight you're going to reminisce about a lot of this oh i miss the old days of my early comedy career uh where it was just me and you on the patio for four years yeah and but like open mics uh you know uh bombing at the parlor oh my god well i never really did the parlor no offense <laughs> to jay davis who's the booker now at the laugh factory uh -huh. uh, i never did well in his rooms and i almost didn't want to no like, i mean I, I would be brought in to fuck everybody off I, I take that back i always want to do well in a room but I just know his crowds aren't my crowd. No. Like my crowd's blue collar people. You should. Hot Canadian crowds are like, that's why I did so well in Montreal for Roast Battle. The crowd fucking loved me. And the second I walked out there against Tom Ballard, I would say it's a well, probably. you've been studying Canadian culture indirectly for. But I, yeah, I mean, I get like, that's why I like hockey so much because it's such a heart and soul sport. But like the second I walked out there against Tom, Jimmy, even Sarah Tiana and Kay Trevor, it's like I get this audience and they get me. Yeah, this is my crowd. Yeah, that's I sound like I'm singing the song Crazy Nights. This is my music. This is my crowd. You are my people. Let's say it loud. These are crazy, 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 crazy nights, and nobody's gonna change me because that's who I am. Ooh. Uh, so I guess I better get going. I could go on for, for at least another half hour, but I want people to, uh, walk away wanting more at, uh, back for more. Uh, so for the iTunes and SoundCloud listeners, can you plug all your stuff one more time? Jason Rouse, six, six, six on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram, my shit is fucked. And that's just your rectum. <laughs> It's uh wrecked him. I killed him. I got, Hello. I got a, a bunch of shit. This is going to be a really big year for me uh, as far as busyness. So literally come Wednesday, I'll be running with no arms with my head down until December 13th. Go tell them why. Well, I'm going to uh, shoot a special in Denmark in uh, December, Copenhagen. I can't release the. Um, venue or any of that right now earl's i took a shit in the sink and earl's in there jerking off on it now take your fingers out of the pee hole and the rest will come out anyway plug shit. i have to plug my shit so uh check me out on the uh internet jason rouse j-a-s-o-n-r-o-u-s-e and uh we're gonna go to the comedy store and uh do it are you shitting
Man, you need to work on your improv skills. I had to pee, man. Oh. Is, I'm not Rogan. I don't have like, you know, eight cameras and assistants that can fill in. I don't have a co-host. This oh, is, you need a catheter like I have. This is radio, not TV, baby. Oh, shit. All right. But so. yeah, JasonRouse.com, everything's there. Come and see the shows in Canada and Sweden and Norway and Denmark and all that shit. It's going to be cool. All right, inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. You know the drill. Uh, just share and retweet this. You know, it helps the numbers. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps. And uh, this has been another great episode. Uh, listen to the previous episode with the great Jeffrey Mark. I mean, the guy fucked Freddie Mercury, man. Legs that, behind the head? Um, he just said they did a lot of things to each other. So um, Radio Gaga uh, was being, maybe it was written in that bathroom with Jeffrey and Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. I'll see you on the internet. Um, inappropriate or SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, roast Battle every Tuesday night at the Comedy Store, even though I'm not on the show. Never say never. Daddy may put on his leathers and grease up again uh i'm dying up here i think may 6 on showtime the jellies adult swim tyler the creator and uh you know inappropriate earl is uh, at the comedy store a couple times uh it's at the improv this week thank you to uh, joe rogan red band for putting me on their show and dr ken last night the best rate it review it learn it live it Great.